Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Mr. Wonderful Show, your second episode this week. Happy March 30th, if you are listening to this. Right after it dropped, not too long after I hit stop on this recording, uh, happy 34th anniversary to Beetlejuice. Didn't jot this down to start the show, but we're going to honor Beetlejuice right now because one of my favorite movies, but 34 years ago, that film debuted. Also, want to shout out 23 years ago, Fabio versus a goose or a geese, just one. Yeah, so goose. Uh, when he was riding Apollo's chariot at Bush Gardens, a ride I have ridden so many times. In my life, I've sat in that front row as well, which is where Fabio was sitting when he had a goose fly right into his face on the ride. I have never had that experience. The only experience I have had on that ride is riding front row when it's raining, and that feels like you're just getting hit with needles at warp speeds. Not warp speeds, but you know, like 80 miles per hour, 100 miles per hour. You're just flying and rain is just pelting you. That hurts. So that's the worst experience I've had on Apollo's Chariot. And I haven't done that one once or twice. I've done that multiple times. You just, you never learn. It's such a great ride. If you've never been to Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, take the trip for Apollo's Chariot. They got a lot of great stuff that goes on there, but Apollo's Chariot is one hell of of a ride. So welcome into the program this week. There is a lot to get to. I uh, want to start with the traditional business at hand, which is if you are listening to this show and it's your first time listening, please hit the subscribe button. If you're tuning back in and you haven't hit that subscribe button yet, come on, what you waiting for? I'm, I'll figure out something. How about this? If you haven't hit that subscribe button, make sure you join us this weekend, because I'll give you prizes if you join the Throw Me Podcast Watch Along Saturday Night WrestleMania Part 1 going down, baby. Oh, wait, I crossed the streams there as far as wrestling companies go. But yeah, um, this Saturday, Throw Me Podcast Network, we are going to be doing a watch along for night one of WrestleMania. So if you go, you like the Facebook page where you can learn about this show, more about this show, that is, and all the other shows under the Thrill Me podcast umbrella. That is the place to go on Facebook. Also, the place to go on YouTube, which is where that watch along is going to be happening. We will have giveaways throughout the night, trivia. It's uh, going to be a fun time. Night one of WrestleMania. Again, hey, listen, even if you haven't watched wrestling in a while, get the Peacock Network. Come hang out with us. Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to be there. Seth freaking Rollins is going to be there as well, taking on... um. A surprise mystery guest of Vince McMahon's choosing, a.k.a. Cody Rhodes, is returning to the WWE at WrestleMania this Saturday night. So it looks like it's shaping up to be a huge night, going to be a lot of fun. So be a part of that with us and check out all the other great shows, a part of the Throw Me Podcast Network. Again, review it. Rob's show came out yesterday. He reviewed Jackass Forever. Really had me laughing with that, but he's got a good show this week. Uh, a lot of the stuff I'm not going to really get into this week, he got into. Um, 
You got Zach Speakeasy tomorrow. He's got a new guest on tap, Haunters Podcast. We dropped a new episode earlier in the week. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, the good times on the YouTube, the Facebook. Oh, and the TikTok, Thrill Me Podcast Network as well. So here we go. Let's get into it because this is a big show. There is still fallout from the Oscars if you want to get my thoughts Really, uh, less than 24 hours after it occurred, the slap heard around the world. If you want to get my thoughts on that and the show, you can go back and listen to the special Monday episode I dropped. And hey, maybe more of those will be coming. Reviews as well uh, might be coming day of as opposed to holding off on some of the news because, yeah, that was that was a hot topic and still is a hot topic. The Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Um And a lot of fallout has come since then. I mean, we've seen Will Smith has apologized. Uh, The Oscars now say, or the Academy, I should say, are now looking into the slap. What's going to come of it? I mentioned it a little bit. I dived into it a little bit uh, on that Monday episode, but uh, kind of a recap of it. I I don't think he's losing his Oscar. I don't think that is going to happen. I do think there's going to be some type of blackball you're not invited for x amount of time you know the next two to five years will smith will not be nominated for an academy award and that's fine because i didn't really even say it on the last episode but i'll say it now what really makes the slap so weird and the whole situation weird or than it already is is we all knew will smith was winning that award even though uh, and I do recommend going to listen to Review It, Rob. He talks about this, and I think he's right as far as Andrew Garfield goes. Will Smith's performance in King Richard, and I'll give my thoughts on the movie a little later on as well. I got to watch it before the Oscars over the weekend because it was clear Will Smith was the odds-on, this is no doubt, this is the one award we know for sure is happening. You know, we all thought Power, The Power of the Dog was going to win Best Picture. Didn't happen. It went to Coda. You know, so... There were no sure things outside of Will Smith. And Will Smith knew this, and everybody knew this. This was no secret, which, again, what Rob talked about is that Andrew Garfield seems to now be that guy that's kind of getting to that point, but that's because Will Smith was at that point. He was the new Leo. Leo got his Oscar. Who's the next one that has been nominated constantly for incredible performances but hasn't won? Oh, Will Smith's on that list. Well, let's get him his Oscar because... Screw it. We'll do the King Richard uh, review right now. King Richard as a movie, not a bad film. It's pretty good. Uh, It's enjoyable. It's engaging. But Will Smith's performance in this is not exactly the best Will Smith performance you will see. It's pretty standard. It's kind of like, okay, I was not blown away by this performance. And especially knowing that this was the sure-cut favorite... Benedict Cumberbatch did a great job in The Power of the Dog. But it was clear this was, okay, this film is made to tell Serena and Venus's story in a way, but this is more or less a vehicle of, this is the Will Smith's getting his Oscar this year, here's the film that's going to make it happen. Doesn't matter what the performance is. An enjoyable film from start to finish. It is enjoyable, but... Out of the performances in that film, the young girls who played Venus and Serena, I thought, put on a better performance than Will Smith. I thought the woman 
that played his wife in the movie. Much better than Will Smith. I thought John Berenthal, Punisher, should have gotten a Supporting Actor nomination because he was better than Will Smith. It's a clear cut. And not to take away from Will Smith's performance, but it, it really is the cast around him is performing their asses off and Will Smith is it it it's the clear this is to get him his Oscar film. It's going to happen to an Andrew Garfield at some point down the line as well where we're going to look back and go, "Was that the performance that should have won it?" You know, think back to 1994 with with Pulp Fiction coming out. Samuel L. Jackson should have been best actor that year. But he didn't get it because the way the academy works, legacy, all that stuff, it, it's their time and this and that. Like we all knew Leo was winning it the year he cut open the bear and lived in the bear. But we all know Wolf of Wall Street was the final straw of, come on, what does he have to do? And they were like, well, he just has to go live in a bear. For Will Smith, it was, well, you just have to go play the father of Venus and Serena Williams. Like that's how it works sometimes. So not to discredit the film, because again, I do think it's a great film. I think it was worthy of its nominations. As far as Will's performance goes, I saw stronger ones in the other movies I have seen so far, but I understand why he was getting it. So it makes it weird that we all knew this going into this and Will Smith knew this and still did what he did. Uh, I know I did see a poll recently that suggested that more Americans blame Chris Rock for what happened than Will Smith, but then I also saw another one where uh, more people were, I'm sorry, uh, more people were uh, condoning Will Smith's actions than, so again, it really depends on those polls you see. It depends on who they're asking, when they're asking, and how they're kind of skewed, Uh, because I think Howard Stern's comments were pretty spot on, as well as Um, many other people that have commented on it, so I'm not going to go much deeper into it, but Stern's and the idea of the celebrity status of what we allow celebrities to get away with. And I kind of hit at that on the Monday episode where we allow celebrities to get away with a lot of things because we refuse to accept that they did something so drastic. You know, we don't, we have never seen Will Smith do that. The guy never cursed in his records, never, you know, he's singing about getting jiggy with it in Miami, just such an even keeled type of guy that, you know, you'd want to just hang out with and have a good time with and seems like such a fun, energetic person. So we've never seen him do that. So we refuse to accept that he did something wrong. So we say it's Chris Rock's fault, you know, and again, I not to defend Chris Rock's joke. I said this all on Monday. It's a crash joke. We can have that conversation, all that stuff, but you can't go ahead and do what was done at the Academy Awards. So uh, quick thoughts there on King Richard roped into this whole Oscar talk as well. Uh, But Will's apologized. Jada came out. She said it's a season of love, all that stuff. But um, I do have some fun audio for you because let's be real. uh, After this happened, of course, the late night host, we're going to have a field day with it. Wow, indeed. The old hitch slap. <laughs> Even Kanye was like, you went on stage and did what an award show? <laughs> yep, in just a split second, the Oscars went from Oscar de la Renta to Oscar de la Hoya, you know? <laughs> uh, everyone in the audience looked shocked, and for once, it wasn't from the Botox. 
insulting Chris Rock and then winning the Oscar, it's like storming out of the house after breaking up with your girlfriend, then coming back in because you forgot your keys, you know? <laughs> the Academy seriously discussed having Will Smith removed from the theater, but it said uh, they decided to let him give the longest best actor speech in history. <laughs> Which, of course, it was the longest best actor speech in history. They weren't going to play him off for you to beat the crap out of everybody in the band. Yeah, so that's a little bit of uh, Kibble and Fallon mixed in there as well, uh, having fun at the expense of what happened at the Academy Awards. Uh, also, I, I do want to say this. I love working in radio, especially for uh, contemporary hits, top 40. We get all the hits before you guys get them because... I actually have, I might get in trouble for sharing this, but we actually got a new song that was written, came in, uh, and I'm just going to play it for you. I'm really excited about this. Uh, this is, this is definitely going to be a number one hit. Glass Animals, watch out. We don't talk about Jada, no, no, no. We don't talk about Jada. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, that's that's a lot of the recap of what's been going on with the Will Smith, Chris Rock drama. Oh, I do want to mention as well, uh, this got pulled up in a TikTok just a few days before the Oscars. Jada Pickett did say that she didn't give two craps what people think of her hair. So again, more to this continuing to unfold, which makes it weirder. And I just don't know what the hell to think anymore. Um, Adam Sandler did a cool thing as well. Uh, and I'm going to wrap this up real quickly because I do have a, I, 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 there's one thing I want to say uh, to wrap it up. But Adam Sandler did do a cool thing. He shared a promotional image of Chris Rock's upcoming tour captioned. It can't wait for this. Love you, buddy. Not going to lie. I have been looking at the two dates, Chris Rock's coming to the Washington DC area. And I'm debating the idea. There's a Friday night show and I'm like, you know, it might be worth a trip to the nation's capital from where I live, go see Chris Rock on a Friday night because he's always been a favorite comedian of mine. I've loved him. I would love to see him live. And what better time than now, you know, after taking the Will Smith smack. And I'm sure that's going to make his routine in some way. Uh, But the last thing I want to hit on, I I do think no matter where you stand on this, because again, I I don't, if you want to have the conversation of the joke was bad, sure. The joke was poor. Yeah. Agreed. The reaction to it, I do not like. And I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar absolutely nails it in his latest blog. Uh, Yes, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, former NBA superstar, former uh, co-pilot, all that stuff. You know, I mean, God, the guy goes up and down the court dragging his team day in and day out. Uh, But he is brilliant as far as his commentary, his his social awareness, his blogs are very well written. He is extremely smart. Uh, I will admit that, you know, everything he writes, I'm not going to sit there and be like, yes, I agree with you 100%. I might have a different take, but I recommend seeking out what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar writes on a lot of social issues because it is a very great light uh, into a world that maybe you're not too aware of. He He's able to shed light on things. He brings up great points. Uh, and again, it doesn't mean I'm telling you to go and agree with everything he says. I've never been that type of person to ever say, agree with this 100% or else. I hate that logic. That's why I hate politics and, and sports as well and got out of sports talk radio because 
I mirror the two next to each other. You can see it in both where you have to pick a side and just go with it and cannot ever accept a wrong or a right. Uh, because, you know, God forbid you accept a wrong or a right for your team. Uh, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar writes some great stuff and he talked about really a lot of the things that are wrong with it. Uh, so I do recommend going out giving that a seek. Uh, I'm not going to try and read it to you. I'm not going to try and highlight it for you. It is definitely worth uh, finding and giving a read to. So now I've spent more time on this Oscar stuff than I really ever expected I would again. But I guess that's how it is, right? It's it's still, it's still the number one thing in the world. Uh, forget everything else going on. What else is happening in the world, right? Anything? Anybody help me out? I mean, I, I did see that the that Mexico is renting out their presidential jet because, well, they can't afford it anymore. They spent $200 million on it, so now they're trying to rent it out to people that just want to have, like, bachelor parties, birthdays, all of that, so that they can pay off the fees of it and uh, keep up the maintenance. So, yeah, I mean, that's going on in the world. That's the big news, right? Right? Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, looking at this list, uh, this rundown for the day, I don't think I'm going to get to top five TV and movie deaths that gut us. I don't think I'm going to be able to get to movies disturbing, uh, disturbing yet beautiful. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll kick that to another week. Uh, those are some evergreen topics we can talk about. Uh, but there is some news to talk about in the entertainment world. Uh, and the first thing up is the fact that during the Oscars, we got a quick tease. I mentioned it on Monday. Some of the advertising of it uh, was really weird to me with the way that the show went on and on and on. And it seemed to turn into one long, as as you would expect with ABC, but one long Disney, ABC, Disney Plus, Hulu, all that promotion. Uh, but one thing I got excited for, Only Murders in the Building, the 30-second teaser dropped during the Oscars. We know it's back June 28th on Hulu. Uh, I did a review of this show uh, a couple months back when I, we did a binge watch of it, me and the lady. Loved this show. Very excited for season two. The 30 seconds they gave was just enough for really piqued my interest. Uh, season one ends on such a cliffhanger that is kind of teased like four episodes in. Well, it's teased in the... It's, yeah, it's, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna shut up for a second, don't want to spoil things, but gives you enough of that tease that it's like, okay, where we left off with that cliffhanger, they're, um, we're going right into this baby, so very excited for that to come back. Uh, also, there was news that there is an It prequel on the way. Uh, Andy Muccietti, the director of It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2, is producing uh, this it prequel series that is going to be coming to HBO Max, and it's going to be called Welcome to Dairy. Going to take place in the '60s, lead up to the events of the 2017 movie, which is set in 1989. They say it's going to include an origin story of both the town and Pennywise, the dancing clown. Uh, I mentioned Muschietti is going to executive produce, but there is word as well that. He is working on the first script and will direct the first episode. So he'll be able to 
set the tone, put his fingerprints on this show. Uh, no word if Bill Skarsgård is going to return as Pennywise, but you have to imagine if they want to move forward with this, they're going to bring back Bill Skarsgård, the guy who made this version of Pennywise that we're going to be telling the prequel story of. Uh, I'm into this. I'm okay with this. HBO Max has been on a pretty good roll with their series and their announcements so far. Uh, you know, James Gunn being involved in Peacemaker, knowing he's involved in Peacemaker Season 2. That was really good. Uh, very excited for the Penguin series that's on the way. Uh, excited for the uh, Arkham Asylum series as well that they're doing. So HBO Max is is mining their IPs and creating television shows that in Peacemaker were just fabulous from episode one to the finale of season one and mining the Batman movies that they're making right now with spinoff series that I'm very interested in and now going to a scary television show. So uh, I'm cool with that. I, I, I loved it. Part one. I like it. Part two, it's, you know, not as good as part one. They lean a little too heavily into the kids who they de-age a lot of, and I wish that they would have focused more on the adults, you know, since that is the adult portion of it. But I get why they did what they did. We all loved the kids in the first one. We loved that chemistry, so they leaned into the things we love, which happens in sequels a lot of the time, and it drives me nuts because I'd rather see a new story than try and just kind of retread what you did and they tried to capture that same magic with the kids which to me bogs down the movie but when we just do the adult stuff in it chapter two I'm totally into it I'm really loving I that's why I want more of that uh, but yeah the it prequel series welcome to Deary uh, to Derry on the way at HBO Max. So uh, let's get into it. Some time for some movie reviews here. Uh, I already did the King Richard one and the whole Oscar thing, so I'm not going to dive into that. But I did watch Power of the Dog and uh, really want to talk about Power of the Dog because I had this movie on my Oscar 2022 bingo card being the movie that was going to take Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay since this is based off of the book, The Power of the Dog, uh, it only took one of those. It took Best Director. I was... I, I don't want to say I was shocked because it's the Academy Awards. It, you know, it, it happens. It's supposed to be the most shocking night on television, most exciting evening of television, all that good stuff. But between watching that, seeing West Side Story... King Richard, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen all of them yet. I'm still trying to. I'm definitely, listen, I don't have Apple Plus, but the fact that code is there might be the thing that breaks the camel's back. Uh, this is what's going to make me slap my money down for Apple Plus. <laughs> Get it? Um, but I want to see Coda really badly now because that is, you know, not just the best picture, best adapted. It, it won two of the three that I said it was that I thought the power of the dog was going to win. But the power of the dog uh, to me was a really slow burn, depressing Western and depressing in the sense of I didn't feel good after watching this movie, but I have not been able to shake this movie since finishing it 
it has stayed with me in all the best ways, in its beauty, in its pacing, in its climax, because this is a movie that is two hours and eight minutes, and it's similar to that of The Shining, feels like you're still watching it right now. If you started it, you finished it, you're listening to this podcast, you're actually still watching this movie, you don't realize it. You're just in a dream sequence within your own head, but you're still in front of your television watching this film on Netflix because that's how slow the movie moves. But when the movie gets to where it wants to get or where it needs to get, I should say, it picks up the steam and has so many twists and turns that that's why it stuck with me because I'm still dissecting the third act of this film. I'm still talking about and thinking about this movie and everything that led up to that conclusion, all the slow burns that got there, everything that happened. I really, really liked this movie despite feeling bad at the end of it. And yeah, it's artful. It's all of that. It is gorgeous cinematography. It is a a Western. It is a Western. I don't care what Sam Elliott has to say about it. It's a Western. And it's shot like one. But yeah, it it's I'm not gonna talk too deeply about what happens. We all know, you know, why Sam Elliott was pissed off about this movie and throwing a fit and all that good stuff. Yeah, none of that really matters. Because the turns that this film takes along the way, you don't even realize that you're on a twist and a turn while the film's being told until you get to the end and you're like, holy crap, I was just on a really windy road and didn't realize. I was on a windy road because it's so smooth sailing to get you there. So slow and wonderfully smooth to get you there. And I know that a lot of people love The Shining for a lot of the same reasons that I just said there. For me, The Shining doesn't work for me because I read the book. So that type of everything doesn't work. But it works for me with this film, The Power of the Dog. Uh, Definitely recommended. Uh, I give this film the two thumbs up. You know, if I'm giving it the meatball treatment that I like to give, uh, it is four and a half out of five meatballs. Just a true slow ride. Uh, mesmerizing acting, interesting ideas. And, and again, a conclusion that makes that slow journey so worth it. So worth it. Moving on to the other movie that I got to see. Totally not associated with the Academy Awards stuff, well, in a way, uh, was The Lost City with Channing Tatum, or I should say, with Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, and I very much enjoyed this movie. This is a movie that is very lighthearted, uh, very different from The Power of the Dog in so many ways, uh, but The Lost City, it, it doesn't shine bright, it doesn't sparkle, it doesn't stand out from a lot of the classic treasure hunting romance films and capers. You know, I still recommend going and watching Romancing the Stone from the 80s. But the screwballness, it's a a wonderful screwball comedy. It's a very good rom-com as well. It has a lot of those old feels. Like, Romancing the Stone does play a huge influence in this. Uh, But it's a movie that really is just fun. It's just under two hours, and it's fun. It's 
at one point, I, I don't know why, maybe it was the screening I was in for, for, for the lady and myself. We went to the first screening of this film. Like she was really excited for it. I was really excited for it. And we were laughing from the opening five minutes, but about 15 minutes in, she turned to me and was like, why are we the only two laughing? To which I had no answer because it's just straight up funny. It is very funny because Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum are great, great, great one-two punch as far as leads go. Brad Pitt's cameo in this film is hysterical. If you call it a cameo, I don't know what you'd really call it, but it is so funny, so good. It's it's just, it's good romantic comedy fun with the screwball in this. Daniel Radcliffe, I, listen, I take Daniel Radcliffe at anything this guy does to shed the Harry Potter character. I love watching him ham it up as the bad guy in this film. Because, spoiler, not spoiler, he's the bad guy. But I love watching him get to do that. I love Daniel Radcliffe spreading his wings in that. Uh, Joy Randolph plays Sandra Bullock's, I don't want to say best friend, but like assistant, is absolutely scene-stealing in all of her scenes. Like, that's that was the thing. There was interaction between the three of them, and that's where we were laughing, and everybody was just, and everybody else in the theater was just sitting there, and we're like, why are they not laughing? This is really funny. Eventually, the audience came around. They got really into it. I'd like to think that us laughing warmed them up to be like, oh, yeah, we're at a freaking comedy film, and this is like the old days, all about Eve, screwball comedy type stuff going on here. Like, Channing Tatum plays the dumb beautiful person wonderfully Sandra Bullock always plays the assertive I know what I want character perfectly and and just mixing those two together is is such a fun combination that makes for a really fun movie it, it, it's like a it's it's like an 80s 90s rom-com and it just feels nice to have those back because I have I have hated the fact that the rom-coms have been relegated to Netflix with films like The Kissing Booth 1 through 3 and stuff like that. And that's not to hate on these movies, but the fact that we've just... that Hollywood doesn't believe that this type of film works. And thankfully, this film was number one at the box office. Had a nice draw. Probably We'll see how the legs work on this film. I think it's going to stick around because it's a film that even if you see it once, I think you could go back again and have a lot of joy and have a lot of fun with it. But it really is a film that relies heavily on the chemistry. Radcliffe selling that villain the way he does. And and just the fact that it's a fun, warm, romantic comedy. That's all you're getting with this. And that's really all I have to say about The Lost City. If I was to give it, uh, you know, the meatballs, three out of five. You know, again, it's a very, it's, it's a, it's, it's, you're going to walk in there and you're going to get the film that you expect. With some twists and turns along the way, that one in particular that even though I knew was coming, still had me absolutely losing my mind when it happened because it shocked the rest of the audience, including including the lady. She was like, "What?" And I was like, "How did you not? Come on! It was so clear that was going to be a thing, and it." 
was so damn funny even knowing it was coming so yeah I, and i'm just laughing right now like the smile on my face i know you can hear the smile on my face because i'm thinking about the scene and i remember that's actually the moment that the theater warmed up and if you see the movie or you've seen the movie you know what scene i'm talking about that's such a turn that is so hysterical when it happens that was the moment the audience warmed up in our theater but again, we also had somebody in our theater who, sitting in the last row, answered their phone about 20 minutes into the movie and was like, yeah, no, I'm at the movies. What's up? Oh, yeah? Yeah? No, man, sorry, I'm at the movies. So, you know, but yeah, just, really? Like, didn't know people still did that, but I guess, uh, you know, that's still a thing, even post-COVID in 2022, answering your phone at the movies. Uh, so, yeah, Lost City definitely worth a check out uh, and really do go see it in theaters you know again if we support these fun rom-com action adventure films uh hollywood will invest more into them and that's that's really the thing at the end of the day if you enjoy that type of stuff and you want it on the big screen this is the way to make sure it happens uh because this is a movie that i very easily could have seen the studio turning around and selling to any of the streamers you know not because it's not good but because they just fear that there's no audience to go see rom-coms. But between this and Marry Me, uh, the rom-coms starting to see a bit of a comeback on the big screen, and uh, um, I am okay with that. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, remember, there's a new episode of Zach Speakeasy coming out tomorrow. I'm excited to see who he has on tap. Uh, you can go back, check out the review at Rob's show from yesterday. He gives his thoughts on Jackass Forever. Uh, he also uh, dives into a bit of the Oscar stuff. Uh, and, and again, I think he has a great conversation about Andrew Garfield and where he stands as far as uh, potential Academy Award goes. So I uh, want to check that out. Go back, listen to the Haunters podcast episode that I kind of stepped on the toes on on Monday. Uh, but that's a fun episode that is out as well where uh, myself, Zach, and Brooke, we dive into uh, the HHN spec map for Hollywood. Uh, and we also talk about uh, all the news involving HHN Orlando. Tickets are on sale now, so now we have dates. We also know what the theme, what what the motto, so to say, of the season is. And yeah, that caused some drama so uh, we discuss all that stuff on Haunter's podcast and this weekend if you go and you like the Thrill Me Podcast Network Facebook page, TikTok as well as the YouTube that's the big spot, this Saturday we will be doing the Wrestlemania Watch Along Night 1 of Wrestlemania Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kevin Owens in the middle of a ring give me a hell yeah that's what I'm talking about peace and love everybody peace